Welcome to Sunday's here with Kevin Clark. I'm Kevin Clark. Yeah. Richie, they named a guy from Philly Superman and Rachel Brosnahan as Lois Lane. So they didn't even tell me I didn't get it uh, for the Superman thing. Next time. I emailed, you know, just put some feelers out, you know. All right. Albert Breer is here. We basically gossiped throughout the league, um, went through upcoming quarterback contracts, a couple of movement things. We might be watching in the next couple of months, um, storylines, tanking, all that stuff. I really enjoyed this conversation. I also got the Ohio State graduate on edge with Buckeye jokes. So here you go. Albert Breer from Sports Illustrated. Take it away. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. All right, Albert Breer is here. He has a lot to answer for. Ohio State's quarterback was given a car by something called Mark Wahlberg Chevrolet in Columbus, Ohio. Yeah, I don't, I don't think like, as far as I know, that's not the Mark Wahlberg, which is really weird and confusing what? because, but I, I think, well, I mean, first of all, like I'm from the same place that Mark Wahlberg's from roughly. I'm from Boston area and like, there's no Mark Wahlberg Chevrolet up here. So why the hell would there be one in Columbus, Ohio? But yes, a guy who's not even the starting quarterback yet got a $125,000 car, which I view, and I think you can relate with this, as a very positive development as far as our ability to continue to get good players. I, I think that one thing, and this is just broadly speaking, I have no idea. I don't know. I didn't know. Obviously, didn't know who Mark Wahlberg was, um, this Mark Wahlberg, until five minutes ago. Broadly speaking, people who were giving money and cars to athletes now were doing so five years ago. They just can't post on Facebook if they did it in the old era. Now right. they can. Well, now it's an so, ad for the car dealership. Before it was just that's a exactly right. charitable just donation a to the athletic yeah, department. That's exactly right. It'd be an in-kind <laughs> donation. All right. So we're not going to sit here discussing the fact that there's a, a, a Seinfeld John Voight situation with a guy named Mark Wahlberg in Columbus. We're going to go through NFL storylines. Um, Albert, you wrote this week that uh, about the storylines that are going to dominate the, I don't know, one month to go, the four weeks to go until training camp. We'll start with this. Yep. Quarterback contracts. Because I think the Jalen Hurts contract was obviously one domino to fall because Lamar Jackson followed after that. But then you're getting into Burrow and you're getting into Justin Herbert. And I feel like that could be a different stratosphere. Um, we've seen the preparation <laughs> from Cincinnati as far as selling the naming rights. They've never really done this. They didn't have a quarterback capable of it. The Andy Dalton thing was a bit of a year-to-year -year kind By of... By the way, that was a point of contention with a lot of other owners too. You know that, right? Like that right. a lot of other owners resented the Bengals for not... 
Well, because like a lot of other owners resented the Bengals in the past because right. they would cry poor on certain things. Right. And yet the founder's name is on the stadium and there's not, you know, some corporate sponsor on the stadium. I, I believe Jerry Jones offered to buy the naming rights, if I'm not mistaken. Is that not, is that an apocryphal story? That might be right. Yeah. Yeah. I believe Jerry, fantastic. I believe it, there was a like bullying Dallas Cowboys stadium yeah. in Cincinnati, Ohio. I believe there was a bullying session of Mike Brown in the last decade. Let's call it. Um, yeah. Anyway. Um, and it didn't work until now. Joe Burrow changed. was a culture changer in the business department of the Bengals de- uh, department, uh, business department. Okay. So let's start there. The quarterback market can jump how high when Burrow and Herbert go and, and is Herbert waiting for Burrow? Yeah, I, I don't think Herbert, I think Herbert probably goes first, if I had to guess. Mm. Um, and the Chargers deliberately waited. The Chargers waited, on, and they had to come to an agreement with Herbert's camp, we're going to pick this up after the draft. Which, I mean, if you're going to be skeptical about it, you could say the owners wanted to keep the money in their pockets for the extra few months, which sometimes happens, you know. Mm-hmm. But the Herbert camp was amenable to that because obviously they felt like another domino would fall before their deal got done. And that happened with Jalen Hurts' deal getting done. So, you know, I, I think the Herbert deal probably gets done first. Um, and I think like one or the other, both probably get to 55 million. Um, you know, I think the question is how creative are you? And I think there's going to be some give and take in both. And I think, you know, one of the things that I, I, I know Joe Burrow is going to be cognizant of, is what does this mean for Jamar Chase? What does this mean for mm-hmm. T. Higgins? Because okay, he genuinely wants to keep the team together the same way Tom Brady looked at his contract negotiation 20 years ago. Like, how do we keep this core of players together while I'm still getting mine? And so there are different ways to do that. How much of the contract is guaranteed? Um, how, mu- how is it structured? How quickly is the cash getting to me? So, like, there are ways, I think, that they can keep the gross number down. And obviously in both cases, you have two years to fold into it because there are two years left on each guy's rookie deal. Um, But I think at least in the case of Burrow, he's sort of looking at it like Brady looked at it, like Mahomes looked at it, which is like, how can I get mine while helping keep the team together? And Herbert, I think, is more probably in the Hurts bucket where I think he wants to help keep the team together. But a lot of that team's already signed. You know what I mean? Like where Mm -hmm. you don't have like a T Higgins or a a Jamar Chase or a Logan Wilson or one of those guys up. Like a lot of those guys that they that that he's been playing with the last few years are already locked up long term. I'm fascinated by the Eagles situation because I don't no it, it is the interesting, most interesting collection of contracts in the league i think because you have a lot of veterans and then you have a lot of flyers guys on one-year deals prove it deals um and then you obviously have have the rookies there are a lot of guys whose contracts mm-hmm. have gone through enough restructures to where like that this is the final form of their contract or jason fitzgerald said it so they're on this over over the cap podcast like these are yeah. there's a lot of veterans who've been restru- restructured like five times. Um, and so it's yeah. an expensive, top heavy roster, but it's invested in the places you want to be invested in. It's invested on the lines, it's invested in, in guys you know are going to have a very, very, very high floor. And so Hertz's contract is a different bucket. Um, is there a feeling around the league? And by the way, I just looked it up, it was 2006. Uh, I believe Jerry Jones offered to sell the naming rights for Mike Brown. <laughs> Said he could double it. He said, "If you sell it for so five he wasn't million, I buy can him double himself. that." He was just going to be kind of the broker. 
It sounds like he offered him from what I'm reading here. It sounds like he offered to buy the rights from him and then double whatever Mike Brown sold it to him for. That's what it seems like. But also so it'd be sort Mike of like Brown, what he did with legends then. Yes. Yeah. So it, this is uh, this is amazing stuff from, from from everybody involved. It's the the problem here is that uh, Mike Brown told kind of told a different version of the story than what came out in the Boston Globe within the piece I'm reading. So well, I'm not sure what happened except Jerry Jones was mad at Mike Brown for not selling the naming rights to the stadium. That's the long and the short of it. Um. Okay. So is there a feeling in the league that the the the, the Bengals are going to operate differently because they have Joe Burrow? And, I, and I'll give you an example. Someone said this about the Chiefs, where there's there's two things about the Chiefs that I think are important to know. Number one is that one of Brett Veach's best qualities is making Clark Hunt a more aggressive owner in the sense that he trades first round picks now. He goes not go for broke, obviously, but um, he will say, hey, we, we have a chance to do this. Let's just go do it. Where maybe he didn't do that a decade ago. Um, and then the second part of it is like, you know, Mahomes you just you're just going to spend you're just going to spend more and you're just going to say okay yeah. we we had the opportunity to have this little edge at training camp with this or we have the opportunity to bring on this this x quality control guy whatever it is mahomes just makes you a different franchise um the bengal's and the chiefs were are vastly different franchises but it just goes to show a, a franchise quarterback can take an owner places he's not comfortable going um is there a sense that the bengal's are going to change as a franchise or not i think they sort of have to you know, like, I, I mean, because I think this is a different landscape than it was 15 or 20 years ago. Like 15 or 20 years ago, you draft Peyton Manning first overall. You draft Michael Vick first overall. You, I mean, you have a pretty good idea you're going to have that guy for 15 years. You know what I mean? Like there weren't a lot of examples of guys going somewhere and then five, six, seven years later deciding I don't want to be here anymore and kind of kicking and pushing their way out, you know? And now, like after what's happened the last few years with Russell Wilson, with Tom Brady, with, um, you know, with Aaron Rodgers, obviously, Deshaun Watson, you've seen more guys sort of taking control of their own situations. And it was funny. I can remember a couple of years ago, I was talking to, you know, a guy high up with one of these teams. And he said to me, he's like, if I'm Clark Hunt, I'm at least once a month going out to lunch with Patrick Mahomes yes. and being like, you okay, buddy? Like everything. <laughs> all right. Like just checking in, like. You know, like, cause I like, there is that feeling like if you let things erode around a quarterback or he doesn't have a real say in what's going on, or at least he's not apprised of what's going on. Like he's not a stakeholder. Well, you could be asking for trouble. And so I think the, the rules of engagement with these guys has really changed. Mm -hmm. And so if you're the Bengals, you know what Joe Burrow's goals are. Joe's Burrow's goals are to be the greatest quarterback of all time. I mean, you heard him, he said it himself, like our championship window is as long as I'm here, you know, mm-hmm. my whole career is my championship window. And so if you don't show that you can operate at that level, it's not just like anymore where it was 20 years ago, where it's like, all right, grit your teeth and deal with it. You know, like Archie Manning had to deal with it. You know what I mean? Like when he was on crappy teams, his whole career, John Elway dealt with it with the Broncos forever mm-hmm. and ever and ever until Mike Shanahan got there. Like, it's not like that anymore. And so all these teams have to consider the escape hatch that these guys might have down the line. And if you're the Bengals, you certainly have to consider that with Joe Burrow. Like if you operate in a way that's going to piss him off in three or four years, you can't expect that he's just going to be around for that. You know, like that now he has a way of, 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 of separating himself from a bad situation. 
This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. All right, we're back from a, a break that no no listener heard because your son's uh had an internet problem and also you yeah. had a pokemon related delay earlier today i have a lot to look forward yeah, to so, as far as fatherhood goes so i'm that's right like so my one kid is off to his summer baseball game this by the way is i had to come back from vacation for this my other one has a birthday party today so i'm at home with him the birthday party is about an hour from now and uh so his babysitter for the next uh little while while we're doing this is his ipad well, unfortunately, the internet wasn't working on his iPad because he was signed into the wrong thing. Oh, disaster. And as parents of this generation know, the internet going out in your house is almost as if your house was on fire. That's how kids <laughs> react to it now. I mean, I, I can't I, imagine. I can't explain to them. Kevin, I can't explain to them what it's like for us when we were kids, you know? I will say this. Uh, I am going when to When your mom would pick up Teddy. the phone and you get kicked off the internet. Oh, I remember that. I remember that. I'm going to raise Teddy in uh, something similar to the M. Night Shyamalan movie, The Village, where I'm just, we're just going to go to the woods and we're going to pretend we're in the 1700s <laughs> and I, he will not have any tablets. I think that's You're the just only gonna way sure to keep him away. Friend. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're just going, we're going the deep into with, the, the woods. The problem with that plan is he can't have any friends. Um, yeah. I mean, we can just have another child and then the problem is solved and they don't have to, <laughs> they don't have to watch Bluey or Paw Patrol. Okay. Um, I don't know anything. Everybody keeps warning me about this stuff, about Bluey and Paw Patrol. I don't know anything about it. And then one day I'm going to know what they're going to talk about. Okay. And Coco Melon. Mm -hmm. We had a doctor today. They're like, do not get them started on Coco Melon. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about, guy. All right. Um, is we there a story? That bullet. Thank God. Is there a, I don't even know what it is, but thank God. Is there a storyline in general we should be more focused on in the league right now where, you know, I, I'll throw some out there, whether it's a QB moving on whether it's a coaching opportunity. I mean, I don't think there's a Sean Payton-esque guy waiting out there. And I thought some mm -hmm. of that stuff with Sean Payton this, this time last year was so fake. Like, oh, he's going to go to Dallas. 
man, the thing I kept hearing over and over again is He's one been thing. He's going to Dallas for ten years, though. Well, not only that, the thing the thing I kept hearing was that Sean Payton loved just not being involved at all with ownership in New Orleans, like not even telling anybody what's going on. And now all of a sudden, he's going to be like, "Hey, Jerry, come watch film with me." Really? That was the move. So, like, all that stuff was always weird sort of chatter. But is there like a a, a big picture, huge thing this time next year that we'll be talking about? There are a couple. I mean, I, I think the one that like is really interesting to me is the the college quarterbacks this year and mm-hmm. kind of how Caleb Williams and Drake May, um, and they're on two different levels to be clear, but both I think are worthy of being first overall picks. It's just that Caleb is sort of on a different level from everybody else and sort of I think is setting up to be on that Andrew Luck, Trevor Lawrence, John mm-hmm. Elway, Peyton Manning level as a prospect, right? And so how is that going to affect the NFL season? Well, I don't think anybody's going to be tanking out of the gate. But what happens when we get to the end of October and it's the trade deadline? And now you've got owners that are more analytically driven and they know what the value of getting that quarterback is and they're chasing that quarterback. And maybe they run a franchise that's been looking for that quarterback forever. Do we see like fire sales to end all fire sales towards the towards the trade deadline because teams are offloading players in order to bottom out get the first pick, build up draft capital, be able to build around that quarterback. I I think there'll be some teams that are at least going to discuss that. So I think like the kind of Caleb Williams, Drake may dynamic hovering over the entire season. Oh, and by the way, the new commander's owner actually ran the process in Philadelphia. You know what I mean? Like that, like I think play that, 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 that I think is going to be something that we all are going to be talking about when we get closer to the trade deadline. Um, the other one that I think just sort of feels like it slid under the radar a little bit, Kevin's Tua. And I mean, like at this time last year, we were all, and because this is a big picture thing when it comes to football in general, but you know, this time last year we were talking about like, all right, they got Tyree kill. They've got Teron Armstead stabilized their line. Got the most explosive receiver group in the, in, in the league. You've got, you know, Mike McDaniel coming in as a guy who's kind of their offensive guru. Now we're going to find out. And I, it feels like we got another incomplete, you know, and then they pick up the fifth year option and like, we haven't talked a ton about the concussion issue. Like, is that going to be a topic going into week one? Like what happens the first time his head bounces off the turf? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, so I just feel like that's going to, that's something that no one's talking about now that I think is going to be a big topic. And I think by the way, it's one, the league is cognizant of two. Because the Dolphins, a couple people kind of like said to me, like the Dolphins would be an interesting team to put in that kickoff slot. Mm-hmm. And then I just sort of thought about it. And I'm like, well, do they really want to put Miami in Kansas City and give like a week of oxygen to that storyline? You know, like everyone's talking about Dolphins, Chiefs, and what's the storyline? Well, what's the Today Show going to be talking about? What's Good Morning America going to be talking about if they're talking about the NFL season? It's oh, there's this quarterback who's going to be on the biggest stage in week one who has the concussion issue. So those would be the two things. Like we're very quarterback driven, I guess, in general, but the two college quarterbacks coming out and what it's going to mean for the back end of the NFL season, starting with the trade deadline. And then I think Tua's concussion issue is one that, you know, I like I don't we, we probably won't talk about it a ton, you know, in July and August. But I would think like when we get to week one, week two, week three, it becomes more of a discussion point. Instead of today's show, we'll talk about Dan Campbell because the Lions are in that slot. Um, 
real quick. So Caleb Williams teams, I'm going to throw this out there. I have not asked Sean McVay or Les Snead about this. I was on paternity leave during the owners meetings in the combine, which is normally a place I would grab them, but I will recklessly speculate. Sean McVay comes back. They draft Stetson Bennett, which is the tankiest move I've ever seen in my entire life. We don't know what Matthew Stafford's elbow looks like. They're spending $180 million in cash this year for reference. That is $120 million less than, say, the Buffalo Bills or the Philadelphia Eagles, but $100 million less than Philadelphia Eagles. Um, there is not a lot of talent going forward on that roster. They obviously need to rebuild their draft capital. Sean McVay comes back after everybody thinks he's gone, retools his, off, his, his staff. Are we sure the plan is not to totally bottom out and get a top two pick? Or is Sean McVay so competitive? Is, okay, go ahead. Yeah, I don't think it is now. Could it become that? I don't know. I mean, like, I think, like, this environment that we're all operating in, if they're not a good team at the end of October, like, again, like, I think that's going to be the inflection point is the the trade deadline. Mm -hmm. These teams that are going to have valuable assets that they can trade off then, like, I think that sort of is going to serve as a crossroads for some of these teams. Um, But I don't think that's the plan going in. Like, I I don't think any team that employs Sean McVay on the contract that he's on with Matthew Stafford at quarterback, with Aaron Donald making what he's making, is planning on doing that. Now, that said, like the margin for error in L.A. is thinner than it's been in a long time because, uh, you know, I think there was a point this offseason where they were at the salary cap with like 40 guys on their roster, you Mm -hmm. know? And, you know, I've talked to people there where they felt like this was the year they had to do it or else it was going to be a two-year process. Like if they kept mortgaging contracts and they kept pushing money forward and they kept kicking the can down the road, they felt like getting out from underneath this where they could have a clean cap was going to be a two-year process. And we've seen in the past, like normally they are one year. Like the Bears got out of their mess in a year. The Falcons got out of their mess in a year. If you look at the Bills, 2018 was their year where they kind of hit the reset button. Dolphins. They really felt like, yeah, the Dolphins have done it. Like so... Like the Rams really felt like they were at the point and, you know, coming out of last year and the way last year went where it was like, if we don't do this now and we don't eat it now, like take on all that dead money now, then this is going to be a two year process getting out of it. And we don't want to go through two down years because of it. So they're doing the one year this year. And of course, like I think Sean McVay is too good a coach and that's too good an operation to really bottom out. But if they do bottom out, like this is sort of the year they earmarked to be their reset year anyway. I don't think it's in Sean McVay's DNA to intentionally lose games. Yeah, I don't either. But I do think that as you, if it if the wheels fall off quickly, they're not going to go out of their way in December to win games. I, I don't know. I don't know Sean McVay all that well, but I just feel like that's they're they're just wired differently. Well, but I, the two teams I'd circle for I the Drake. Go ahead. Here, here, no, here's the other thing. Like we don't with Matthew Stafford's elbow, we don't. Right. I mean, I, I think it'll be okay. We don't know. You know. Like, that's always tricky with a quarterback's elbow. Like, how many times have we gone through this before? Cam Newton's a great example, right, with the shoulder. Mm-hmm. Like, throwing shoulder, elbow, that sort of thing. Like, we've seen it before where it's like, no, 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 he's going to be okay. And, like, everybody's optimistic and has the best laid plans. And because of what it means for the the guy's moneymaker, mm-hmm. that can be a problem long-term. So we don't know yet on that. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they think it's going to be fine, but we'll see. Well, they also, the other thing about quarterback injuries, it's so crazy. I remember with Cam Newton, it was like, well, it's the shoulder plus a foot and the foot, you know, you, all of a sudden then you can't drive and that, that hurts the shoulder. And it's like the, the way 
any NFL player works their body. Um, it, it's hard to predict, but also, I mean, just a quarterback. It's a, any one little thing. People, you know, I remember Chris Sims talking a couple of years ago about Mahomes, where it's like everyone says, oh, it's just a toe injury. No, 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 no. Like a toe injury can actually derail your season. Like it is crazy how everything works together. Um, the two teams I would circle. The toe, funny, the toe thing is funny because it's like, I think we all think that because it's just this little appendage. Yes, exactly. Try running around on a bad toe. Yep. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> That's another thing everybody's warning about with fatherhood is you're like, you end up just slipping on things and breaking your toes a lot. I've had some dads be like, you're going to step you're, on Legos. Don't step, don't step on Legos. Um, Veach told me a couple Legos, of years ago. Lego, Legos, like it, like it feels like, it feels like somebody stabbed you in the foot. That's a, like, you will collapse when you step on one of your kids Legos at some point. I promise you that. Again, off to the woods, off to the woods, no Legos <laughs> here. Uh, Veach told me a couple years ago that Mahomes' toe was so bad in the Super Bowl they couldn't believe, the doctors couldn't believe he played. So there you go. Um, so not only was he getting the crap knocked out of him, but he was in pain just walking around. So it sounds like a good time. Uh, the two teams I've circled are obviously Arizona and then Tampa Bay for Caleb Williams and Drake May. Yeah. And then the teams yep. above it, I got to be honest with you, the teams above them and the Texans are obviously out, but the teams above them have a chance to either do something or are just in position. Ron Rivera is in no position to tank. Sam Howell is in no position right. to tank. They got to save their jobs. Um, Josh Harris could do something. You mentioned it about the process, but like Josh Harris could say, Hey, why don't you know, Ron, why don't you take a hike on September 23rd? If he's trying to win too many games, they really want to commit to that. Um, but you know, a team I'm looking at Vegas over, over under wins total. And the Colts are right above the bucks or tied with the bucks rather. Mm-hmm. The Colts might be good. I don't know. I mean, like, not like yeah. not not twelve wins good, but the, they could do something. They have a, a good draft class. They they have some talent that we've seen before. So like, I think it's going to be those two teams, Arizona and Tampa Bay, and then just some teams with season from hell type of years um, where everybody gets injured and and you kind of have to hit the hard reset button and, and you win two games. I think there's going to be an accidental team that gets a top two pick. You hit on the right point there too. Like one of the things about tanking in the NFL it's really rare to find a bad team that has a coach with job security. You know what I mean? Like there are way more like Lovey Smith's, you know, like out there where it's like Lovey Smith is going to like going to go for two at the end in week 18 and screw up your entire thing. You know what I mean? Like, um, so like, that's the problem is like, there, there just aren't like a great examples of teams that have coaches that are going to go out there and players too. Like, that's the other part of it is like, like these players don't care what your plan is for two or three years from now. Like they don't know if they're going to have a job in January, you know? So they don't, there's no, like there's, it's really, really hard to play this sport, you know, while you're doing now that said, you can again, manage your roster creatively. And that's why I'm saying, like, I think like this stuff is going to come up when we get to the trade deadline. Like Mm -hmm. when we get half the season in the books, you know, could there be owners that get involved? You know, like, I think that that is a factor. We even saw it like, like Jimmy Haslam like has done it like you know like we go back you go back to like how they they stripped the roster down and they put all that money into trying to find a quarterback like owners don't know a ton about football but they are very quarterback focused you mm-hmm. know what I mean generally and that's you know another piece of it I think is like that this idea of like that being out there and what it could mean for you you know and what it could mean for you could be like what Trevor Lawrence means to the Jaguars or what Joe Burrow means to the Bengals. Like if you're, I don't know, one and seven at the trade deadline, you can see where the owner might decide to take a little walk downstairs to his football people with some instructions. 
<laughs> yes, yes. But also you mentioned the instructions, like the quarterback friendly part of it or quarterback focus part of it. Speaking of instructions, like I remember a GM telling me like the worst thing that happened was about a decade ago to, to rebuilding teams where every owner or like the owner's son or the owner's guy who's in town, the owner's not even coming into town. They would just say, well, what's our plan at quarterback? And if you didn't have one, your job was on the line. And so then you start going out and getting these stopgap options for $12 million and you accelerate the timeline. And like, I remember this happened after Kirk Cousins left in Washington, they, they go and get Alex Smith. And I, I remember, I, I love Alex Smith. I think he's one of the best analysts ever um, in, in, in media right now. Um, I think that he is, he was a great quarterback in Kansas City, but you remove him from Andy Reid and he's up there in years, all that stuff. And you give him a ton of money that well, frankly could have just gone to Kirk and it would have ended up being better. And I said to someone high up there, I was like, what, what, what's happening here? And they said, oh, well, they, we just needed stability at the position. Stability doesn't mean anything yeah. if it's not a solution. And that, that to me has been the original sin for so many teams is like, oh, we have to have stability at the quarterback position. And so this is the opportunity to get it. Caleb Williams, Drake May. I want to ask you, since you talk to people, Drake May, if Caleb Williams is on that top, top, top tier, Drake May is on what tier? Like, what is what are scouts saying about him? How big is that drop-off? I've heard a uh, Justin Herbert comparison. Mm. I've heard a Joe Burrow comparison. Like, the word I hear most with him is smooth. Um, and that, like, he may not be, like, off the charts at anything, but he's good at everything. And he's already kind of a grown-up. You know what I mean? Because he comes from a family of athletes. Like his brother played basketball at Carolina. His dad was a quarterback there. Like all of this is very, I, like I, I hesitate to say Manning, but you know like how like Peyton Manning and Eli Manning were like very prepared to be professional athletes, you know? Like Joey Bosa, Nick Bosa, very prepared to be professional athletes. Patrick Sertan, very prepared to be a professional athlete. Like Drake May has that. Like where he already sort of is a pro, even though he's still in college. And so like, I think you have like all the pieces there and he plays the game where he makes like things that are hard, look easy. Mm -hmm. So like, I don't think he's in that stratosphere um, of, you know, again, like, and I think that like Caleb Williams stands to be the fifth guy in my lifetime. Who's in this category, just as a prospect, John Elway, Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck, Trevor Lawrence. Like, Mm -hmm. I think that like, like Caleb Williams has a chance to be in that group as a prospect. I think Drake may is probably the next notch below, which means like plenty worthy of being the number one overall pick in most years and probably won't be next year just because of the guy who's in front of him. I want to get you angry for one second. Uh, apparently Michigan has, according to Bruce Feldman added a beat Georgia period to all of Michigan's football practices. Um, They're obviously <laughs> looking ahead uh, and then, according uh, during a recent trip with a Georgia linebacker for 2025, Montrez Walker, uh, Jim Harbaugh gave the recruit a book called Everything Great About Ohio State with blank pages. Is this embarrassing for anybody? Wow. How about that? Sounds like Jim's got a short memory. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Between between, between Ryan Day and Mark Wahlberg, uh, they're cooking in Columbus right now. I mean, I mean, he was 0-5 and 0-6 if you count the year um, that got canceled. The the air quotes there canceled the game. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, like it's it's been a tough couple of years. No question about it. I would be careful about counting your chickens before they've hatched. 
I just think that there's still a talent disparity there. Now, I'm not saying it's huge, and it's it's closer than it has been, but there's still a talent disparity there, Kevin. And um, yeah, I think that you can usually see that talent disparity on the last Thursday in April. And mm. I think that if you look back to the last April, at last Thursday in this last Thursday in April, even this year, when things didn't go well, so well in the field, they still went a certain way there. And uh, I think there's going to be, I think you know, the same sort of thing will probably exist in 2024, which tells me there's the full capability there of things turning pretty quickly. So I just, you know. I mean, it was a pretty good two decades, and I'm I've definitely had to wear the last two years. Two decades versus two years. Like, let's just, you know, have some perspective here. Uh, I will say a couple of things. Number one, Michigan is recruiting better, not not better than Alabama, Ohio State, whatever, but better than they have been. Um, the second thing is yeah. I think they should install a beat TCU period before they install the beat Georgia period. I feel like we've I really do feel like We've gotten would ahead that, of ourselves. Would that mean just? Would that just mean trying to avoid throwing pick sixes? I, I mean, hey, you got to practice it. You know, it becomes a reality. You got to you got to envision it before it becomes a reality of not throwing pick sixes. Um, is there a roster or a sleeper team the league is high on mm-hmm. that we're not even not even on our radar? Seattle. Mm. I I just I I think like coming out of last year if you look at like the way that team was built and, and look, I think like Gino, like is obviously in the public side, huge variable, whether or not he's going to be du- be able to duplicate what he did last year. But I like, is this not a little like where they were in 2011, 2012, right? Like where like, wow, they, they've got a really good rookie class that, 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 that just, I mean, both starting tackles, right? Charles Cross and Abe Lucas, you know, a, uh, a couple starting corners and Kobe Bryant and uh, obviously Tariq Wollin, a running back and Kenneth Walker, um, Boy Mafe, like the the young promising like defensive lineman. Um, you know, I just I look at that and then you add they added two I say high floor first round picks in Devin Witherspoon and Jackson Smith and Jigba, and uh, like I just think like you look at like where like Pete Carroll's history of always having them competitive no matter what. And they haven't had a group of young players like this in a long time. And the last time they had a group of young players like this was when they were about to take off. And, you know, you look at the landscape of the NFC, it's like, why not the Seahawks, right? Now you can argue over Geno, but like, are the Seahawks in a worse position at quarterback than the Niners are? Probably not, right? Are the Seahawks in a worse position at quarterback than the Packers are? Probably not. Now Jordan Love could wind up being a star. We don't know, mm-hmm. but the I mean the the floor at quarterback looks higher for the Seahawks than it does for the Niners or Packers, right? Mm-hmm. So like I just sort of look at it like, and I think a lot of people people are ignoring Seattle um, and looking at last year as maybe a one off and like, well, you know, Geno played well that one year, but is he going to be able to follow it up? Like, I think there's a lot of promise on that team, and there's more talent on that roster than there's been I think since the end of like the Legion of Boom era. Hmm. Interesting. All right. Well, let's play a quick game of, are they going to break out this year? We'll start with Justin Fields. Mm-hmm. I think Justin's going to have a solid year. I don't think he's going to be spectacular, but I think, 
you know, between the coaching he's going to get, like, and I think Iberflus has been a really, really good, um, a really good, like, influence on setting up the program for him and being able to help him see it through the defense's eyes. I think Luke Getzey is his offensive coordinator is a really good, um, really good developer at that position. And we've seen that over the years and a really good, really good at putting together a plan for his quarterback, which he did last year with Justin. And then, you know, you add Darnell Wright and, um, and a DJ Moore. And it just feels to me like, I don't think they're going to be great, but I think Justin's going to come out of this year. And it's going to be like, aren't they probably should pick up the fifth year option. They probably should keep this going because I think he's going to be too good for them to be in the running for Caleb Williams. So I'm going to say mm-hmm. like, it's going to be a bit, it's going to be a significant step forward as a passer. And I think that they're going to be a middling team, not a great team. Kenny Pickett. Sorry for fence sitting. No, it's okay. Kenny Pickett. Yeah. I'm not sold that that, like, I, I think he's going to like sort of be what he was last year. Uh, I just, I think a lot is dependent on what happens at receiver with George Pickens and Deontay Johnson and, you know, even Pat Fryermuth at tight end. And, um, you know, they bring in Broderick Jones to play left tackle. There are a lot of moving pieces there. And so I think like, I think, you know, Tomlin's going to do what he did last year, which is build around and protect his quarterback, you know, and not, never ask too much of his quarterback and lean on Najee Harris. And so I, I think like you're going to see a similar version of Kenny Pickett to what you saw last year, which is going to make for an interesting discussion going forward. Because like if the ceiling for Kenny Pickett is say like he's Andy Dalton, is that a guy you resign after three or four years, you know, but I sort of think that that's where they are. Like they're going to get good play out of him, but I don't think it's going to be much different than last year. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the question of our time, right? Like if you have to think about whether or not to, Resign a guy. Should you ever resign him? I don't know. I, the quarterback market, the way it works, I, I don't know. Can I give you one interesting point on that? Look at what Atlanta did. Look mm-hmm. at what Washington did. Look at what Tampa did, right? All those guys paired um, experienced veterans with like like young players that they have that they have some belief in, but aren't completely sold on, right? It's Kyle Trask and Baker Mayfield in Tampa. It's um, it's obviously uh, uh, Desmond Ritter and and Taylor Heineke in, in Atlanta, and then Sam Howell and and Jacoby Brissett in Washington. Those teams have basically said like, we're not going to pay forty million for Derek Carr. That's implicitly what they're saying. It's like unless we can get in the top quarter, we're better off treading water at the position. Is basically what those three teams have told everybody. And I had one really smart executive say to me, he thinks like what's happening there is like what happened in the NBA where there was a point where too many guys had max contracts and the market needed to mature. And there weren't that many people that there weren't that many players that were worth max contracts. That's sort of where the NFL is right now. Like where there wasn't really a second tier of quarterback contract, which made it really difficult to value Daniel Jones and Derek Carr this off season and Jimmy Garoppolo too. And so if you have a Burrow or a Herbert, you just pay them. But like, where is that second tier? You know, and a couple of teams, Atlanta, Washington, Tampa, again, have decided where that second tier landed this year was too much. And they were better off being economical at the position, trying to be really good elsewhere and waiting until the opportunity get can't, can't, comes along to get a quarterback who has a chance to be in the top quarter of the league. This is a different bucket. Does Mac Jones this year, last one, prove he's a long-term answer in New England? 
No, I look at him as view similar to Kenny Pickett. The best comparison I heard from Mac was Chad Pennington. And Chad Pennington was plenty good. Chad Pennington, I believe, won the AFC East with two different teams that weren't the Patriots during that era, you know? So, like, you know, Chad Pennington, ha- I think, has a chance to be a pretty damn good quarterback. I just, or I mean, Mac Jones has a chance to be a pretty good quarterback, like on the level of a Chad Pennington. Mm-hmm. Is that enough to pay the guy at the top of the market? I don't know. I mean, especially based on the way the Patriots have operated over the years. So, like, I, like I think we're going to see like things stabilize around him with Bill O'Brien in there. Um, I still think their tackle situation has a as a as a chance to be a very very real problem. I also think their defense is going to be really really good. So they may not need to ask the world out of their offense, and maybe they can sort of play that old school game that Belichick played you know, back in two thousand and one with a team he had back then. So um, I, I think we're going to come out of this year saying. Yeah, you know, Mac Jones has a chance to be in that Chad Pennington, Kirk Cousins level. He's plenty good, you know, but are you going to feel comfortable paying him what Mahomes or Mahomes or uh, or Hurts got or what Burrow or Herbert is going to get? I think that that's going to be an open question at the end of the year. Last question for you. Um, you wrote a lot, probably the best piece about Rodgers and the Jets. Here's my question. How did the Jets view Aaron Rodgers 2022 last year? Because he's banged up a little bit, missing throws, especially downfield. I felt that, and again, having not talked to LaFleur since last, uh, since the beginning of last season, I felt like the, they got better when they realized that Rodgers wasn't MVP level. Um, and they stopped. I think that, you know, I think that they were calling plays like fourth down high leverage put plays based on Aaron Rodgers playing at an MVP level and they weren't working. Um, I look at the Jets game, the commanders game where they would, felt like the game was there and the plays just weren't happening. And that's not to say that Aaron Rodgers is just has lost it, but I'm just saying there were, whether mm-hmm. through injury, through age, whatever, there was just a couple of plays where I was just like, I don't know about this. And he's going to be so much better than Zach Wilson. Um, the floor is obviously going to be raised, but what do the Jets think? think they're getting from a realistic standpoint they think they're getting a different player than the Packers got last year because of the level of engagement and we've seen this mm-hmm. before you know mm-hmm. like I like we've seen the fire lit under asses before like yep. with and you look at it like generally like at this level and this is above the Russell Wilson level at this level of quarterback like sometimes we look at these as wild swings they've routinely worked Kansas City got to the AFC Championship game for the first time in a generation when Joe Montana went there, right? Brett Favre goes to Minnesota. They were damn close to the Super Bowl, you know, losing in that Bounty Gate game in New Orleans. Peyton Manning goes to Denver. They go to two Super Bowls, win one. Tom Brady goes to Tampa. They win a Super Bowl. So, like, these have routinely worked, and I think part of what the Jets are banking on is the history of that. I mean, you're going to get a re-engaged player, and they've already seen it. I think a lot of Packers people would tell you this. And remember, Robert Sala and Matt LaFleur are really good friends. So, you know, I mm-hmm. think Sala has some insight. And they didn't talk about it during the lead-up to the trade, but has some, some insight to some of the frustrations that existed in the Packers organization. Uh, like, the Packers, you know, when they offloaded Devontae Adams and they decide we're going to rely on some rookies here and they bring in Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs, who proved to be really solid, promising players by the end of the year, like they feel like if Rogers had been around in April and May and June, it would have made a difference. 
And maybe part of the reason why you didn't see as much from those guys until later in the season was because he wasn't there. Mm -hmm. And now the Jets are getting a guy who was there in May and June, who showed up for absolutely everything, who is now like dead set on proving the pack, proving to the Packers, I've got something left. And, you know, so I think that they feel like they're getting a different version of Rodgers than the Packers got last year because they're getting a re-engaged Rodgers. And, um, you know, we'll see how it works out. But, you know, the history tells us not to doubt Rodgers in this situation because, you know, we saw what it meant for the Bucks for Brady to go mm-hmm. there, for the Broncos for Manning to go there, for the Vikings for Favre to go there, and for the Chiefs for Montana to go there. Um, these things generally work. And so, like, I think the early signs are good. Now, mm-hmm. whether or not, you know, he is physically what he was, all that different stuff remains to be seen. But the level of engagement, which I think they feel like was the difference in Rodgers last year to maybe the couple of years previous to that, they feel like they've got that level of engagement that the Packers weren't getting. I just, I also just don't think you need much. And then the confidence builds on itself because the roster, the defense was so good last year. Salah took care of his side of the ball. Um, offensive coordinator is going to be better. So I'm, I'm in. Yeah. The one other thing too, I think is like, remember like they were seven and four with like really <laughs> rough quarterback play. Right. And if you're Robert Sala and Joe Douglas, like, I I remember thinking this, like, this is why the Packers had all the leverage Mm -hmm. because they didn't have a choice. Like who else gets a get out of jail free card after striking out on the second overall pick at quarterback the way that they did. Mm -hmm. Who? Like no one, right? Like Zach Wilson after two years has been, I mean, like, I don't know if he's like a Brandon Whedon level failure, but like, it's not good, you know? And normally that sort of thing gets people fired. And so like the fact that, you know, you can prove that the rest of your roster is as good as you're saying it is by inserting a hall of fame quarterback, I think is an incredible opportunity like that the jets had to take the Joe Douglas and Robert Sal absolutely had to take. Agree. You heard it here from Burt Breer. The jets are back. Thanks for coming on Sony's day, buddy. That's right. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.